Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. And welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. Like we've said many times, the world needs more inspiring leaders. But what do you do when you have an intolerable boss? On the first week of every month, the Leadership Brothers are getting together to expose intolerable bosses and explore what you can do to survive. On this episode of Intolerable Bosses, we're exposing indecisive bosses. Before we begin, I want to mention a huge thanks to our sponsor, the Otis Group. Richard McNeil and Francis Liska and the great team over at the Otis Group offered to support this series because they believe in the same things that we do. The world needs more leaders worth following. The Otis Group is a great resource for financial and risk management consulting, and we strongly encourage everyone listening to head on over to OTUS Group dot com and show your support for those who support us. And I also want to extend a big welcome to someone you've already heard from, and that is the other half of the Leadership Brothers, one of the top executive coaches in North America, and my brother, Pat Lepovsky over in Calgary. Pat, it's great to have you back here on the show. Well, Sarah, based on today's topic, I'm not sure if I should say thank you or not. I'm not sure if I'm being indecisive, but I just wanted to say thanks for having me. <laughs> Talk about living up to the name of the show, right, (laughs) Mr. Indecisive? (laughs) I hope so. Yeah, look, you and I teamed up last month to expose the controlling boss and explore what they can do if they find that they have to work for one of these managers. You shared an email from Nikki who wrote in about her controlling boss, Gus, and we explored several things that Nikki or anyone could do to survive working for a controlling boss. Well, I think you and I were both pretty blown away by the response because we received a lot of emails and calls about that one in January. Yeah, absolutely. Over the last month, we've received just a ton of emails from people who either work for controlling bosses or they know someone who's been in that unfortunate position. So what a tough spot to be in. Based on some of these additional emails, like some of these emails we received, they've given us ideas about how other people have handled their own situations, how they've really dealt with things. We've also connected with a few people who wanted some one-on-one support. It's been a pleasure to help them through some tough times. It's tough with a controlling boss, but it's something that's just not a dead-end street, and we're more than happy to offer any support of them. It seems like we really touched a nerve on this theme of intolerable bosses. We're not just here to offer the podcast offerings here. If anybody wants to connect with us one-to-one, feel free. That's why we're here. But as we suspected... There are way too many people out there that are hating going into work on Monday mornings or suffering throughout the day. So here's some shocking stats. 27% of people who work for bad bosses quit as soon as they secure a new job. And that may not sound too alarming, but 11% will quit without having secured a new job. Wow. That is a little scary. Now here's the sad part. Nearly 60% of people who are working for bad bosses stay. It's what psychologists call learned helplessness. They wallow in their daily misery and their overwhelming stress. And of course, that can affect their health. So it's not a good situation. It really doesn't need to be this way. That's why you and I decided to record this show 
let's put the proverbial elephant on the table right now and, and just talk about some of the health strategies for dealing with intolerable bosses. So as we mentioned the last time in Intolerable Bosses, there are many flavors of these bad bosses. Today, we've decided to zero in on the incompetence of the indecisive boss. So Pat, let's start off with a little bit of clarity. When we're talking about an indecisive boss, what does that mean? An indecisive boss is usually in over their head. Often, they've got to where they are right now because of the position that they've had in the past, like their competencies and everything they've done to get to the spot they're in. They're feeling in a hurry for some reason to move things forward rather than because of their own expertise or authority. The subject matter, you know, most of the time, they're indecisive because they're afraid of making bad decisions. They want to move forward. For some reason, there's just something that's got their confidence. There's probably a lot of reasons for this. You know, maybe they're reporting to a controlling boss like the ones we talked about in the last show. Or maybe they're preferring to put off making decisions until they have enough data, enough information to show irrefutable, correct course of action, the path that they think they should be going down, not the one that they know in their gut that they should be going down. In other words, they're afraid to fail. And the problem is, this approach slows down team progress and operational efficiency. It can also influence the people that report to an indecisive boss. They're teaching others to be indecisive as well. Imagine it can also look pretty bad. If you're working for an indecisive boss and the team isn't moving forward, that's not a good thing either. When I was working for big telecom companies, this was actually pretty common. We used to call it the CYA boss. I'll change the A part of that acronym and call it the cover-your-butt boss, but I think you can imagine what it really means. These were the kind of folks that were always too busy collecting facts and data, and that nothing ever really got done. So another name for this one comes to mind is analysis paralysis. It reminds me of a book, one of my favorite books on my bookshelf, by Dr. Carol Dweck, called Mindset, where she describes two different kinds of mindsets. There's the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. People with the fixed mindset are risk-averse. They hate losing, and they usually quit things that they're not good at immediately. But people with a growth mindset believe in trying and failing several times just to build proficiency. They are risk-tolerant. Well, I see indecisive bosses as the fixed mindset people more than the growth mindset people due to the tendency to avoid the risk of making decisions. So, Pat, do you have any real-life examples of this indecisive boss? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Funny, it's, we've received emails again. As, as always, we're never going to reveal the names of the people who send something in to us. But just say uh, there's a person by the name of Ivan. That sounds like a good name. And, uh, what a great name. you know. But uh, to protect the name of the innocent, we're going to call this person Ivan because he emailed us about his new indecisive vice president, and we'll call the VP Steve. They work with a software company where time means money. So Ivan manages a team of product managers who oversee some highly fluid and fast-changing dynamics as their software products are, are continually revised. They're grown and changed based on feedback from customers. They're just like one of the typical high-tech companies of the day that are growing with the needs of their customers. But the problem is, Steve, who is a new and inexperienced vice president, you know, he was just recently promoted. He'll sit on change requests for days and maybe even sometimes weeks. And this is having a terrible impact on the effectiveness of the entire team and the quality of their software with everybody just sitting around waiting for Steve to make decisions. So VP Steve is really the bottleneck in this system. 
And unless something's done, everyone in product management is soon going to start looking pretty bad, which will probably have a negative impact on productivity. And let's face it, probably morale as well. So what advice can we offer to Ivan to deal with his VP? You know, first thing I'm going to assume is that Steve, the vice president, isn't indecisive because he reports to a controlling CEO. Let's assume that this is a risk-adverse boss who's suffering from that you call the analysis paralysis. Maybe that team has more expertise in the product, you know, the product and the product management than their VP. So in other words, Steve doesn't want to be seen as making a bad call, and the team probably has a ton to say. So the first thing I'd say uh, to Ivan is to acknowledge that this can be frustrating. You know, let's acknowledge his feelings. You know, again, in all likelihood, he knows more about the product than his boss. So patience will be needed. Related to this, Ivan should try to swallow his pride by sharing his knowledge and experience with his VP without rubbing it in his face. Remember, you and I did the Dale Carnegie program years ago. Dale Carnegie's whole adage is pay attention to people's shortcomings indirectly. Those are really good suggestions, Pat. I think if Ivan can anticipate the needs of his boss, he'd likely find that the VP needs to grow in his role. And although he may be reluctant to ask for help from someone that reports to him, probably for ego reasons, this is really where the knowledge should come from, right? The people who are in the trenches doing it. The only thing that I'd add would maybe be really careful and tactful in how you share that knowledge and experience. You want to be viewed as an ally and a confidant. So rather than being a subordinate who's challenging your boss's authority, you want to aim for trust. So if I were in Ivan's shoes, I would probably say something non-threatening to my VP in an effort to build trust. Something like, hey, Steve, I have a fair amount of experience in this area. If you'd like, we could explore this more together. You know, something like that. Stephen Covey wrote his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And his follow-up book to that was The Eighth Habit, which is, you know, find your voice and inspire others to find theirs. In this case, you know, how can you fail if you have a team of people who really truly support who you are and where you're going? So that's probably the first thing culturally. You know, during the last show, you also made a great point. You talked about people who are working with intolerable bosses and know that they've tried all that's within their control to see nothing is going to change. And sometimes that's the case. They have a choice to make. They should either accept their situation, if they can, or change their situation if it becomes unhealthy to stay. Your options are already, you could stay or you could go. If you stay, you probably have a few options as well, because you can help your indecisive boss and it's hurting your health or your career. Start planning an exit strategy or, or take it to the next steps if there's options beyond that. Yeah, for sure. Maybe reduce that 60% that stick around in a job with a bad boss and suffer through it. I've just seen too many people, the tears are rolling down their cheeks on Sunday night because they're anticipating having to head into work on the next Monday morning. So I think as far as surviving this, being patient is the first one that you mentioned. Offering to help by sharing knowledge, that was the second one. Position yourself as an ally, that's the third. And if it becomes unhealthy, prepare to pivot. So there's four good strategies right there. What do you think, Pat? Have we covered this one fairly well? Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely a great start. There are probably other tactics depending on the specific circumstances because every situation authentically is different. But there is a common thread and there are general things that we see. But definitely, this is a healthy start. The bottom line is supporting an indecisive boss in a supportive manner should be your goal. 
make sure that you're positioning yourself in a way that shows you got your leaders back. I guess what you're doing in this particular circumstance, we could say, you're leading your leader. Yeah, absolutely. Leaders are people who typically draw attention to facts, not the people's shortcomings. And when you draw attention to the facts and you deal with the facts, you know, this is something uh, we've talked about it before and in future episodes, we'll talk about the above the line behavior. This is something where leaders are people who deal with facts, not emotion. And when you're dealing with the facts of the situation and you're keeping yourself in a position where you're supporting somebody for the facts that rest there, nobody maliciously wants to come to work to harm people. They want to do well. When you're dealing with the facts, you're actually putting detail onto the table to help everybody in general. That's awesome, Pat. Thanks so much for being my partner in crime on inspiring leaders to expose intolerable bosses. If people want to reach out to either one of us, I've listed all of our contact details in the show notes, including links to your website at envisiongroup.ca. That's E-N-V-I-S-I-O-N group.ca. And my website at ubiquityleadership.com. So all of that's in the show notes. Our email addresses and phone numbers are going to be there as well. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Intolerable Bots. We hope you liked it, and we welcome your ratings and comments on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Tulip. Right on. And before we go, I also want to extend a huge thanks to our good friends over at the Otis Group for their generous support of the show. The Otis Group are your first choice for financial and risk management consulting and virtual CFO services. Find them at otusgroup.com. Next month, we're going to be tackling stubborn bosses. And tune in to Inspiring Leaders next week when we welcome Peter Clark from the Philanthropy Channel. You're my friend, Pat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, from the Philanthropy Channel and Red TV to explore leading from within. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care and bye for now.